0: That's what I'm saying. It's the joke workshop Mondays, six to eight p.m.s at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo. Four ninety
1: nine. Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral residential internet for only 35 a month. Business packages starting at 75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today.
0: Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant
2: Sideshow. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every
3: day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Welcome to Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco and if you want real change on a soul level you've come to the right place. So welcome, everybody, to Spiritual Psychology. My name's Renee McKenna, and I'm a therapist in San Francisco, and I'm so excited. I have live guests this morning. I've only had dead guests up to this <laughs> point, and it's really, really fun when they're alive. And so I have um, Carl Berger, who's originally from Maine mm-hmm. and, um, you know, East Coast. East Coast. Totally represent. Yeah. 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 He traded out. Now he's in the other
2: Portland. Yep. On the other coast, which is this coast. This coast, the other, the other one, yeah.
3: And so, how's it been going? You here for the comedy festival?
2: Yeah, I came down on Friday and been here throughout the weekend, uh, doing a lot of shows. Been on a lot of different podcasts. It's been a blast to uh, to meet a bunch of like really kind of weird, unique, individual people and uh, funny comedians and uh, see their shows, see their style of humor, and then hang out afterwards. It's been nice to just kind of. Stand around and spin a yarn. Awesome.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you like
2: weird, unique people. We'll get along oh, good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I have Gaula Finman's going to come. She's looking for parking, which isn't always easy to do on to the mission. Um, and so uh, you got to ask me, what is spiritual psychology?
2: Oh, yeah. Please tell me, what is spiritual psychology? Explain so, a little bit. You
3: know, yesterday, one of the things about, um, you don't have an accent. See, nobody has it. I don't know. I'm the only person from the East coast who has a fucking accent. I don't know what that is. It's so weird, but it gets me a lot of interesting conversations with people. So yesterday I was in, um, I was at the dog park. I'm always at the dog park, not because I hang out at dog parks, but because I have dogs. So, um, so I was at the dog park and, uh, and I was talking to my dog or whatever. And the lady's like, oh, are you from Boston? And um, so she's from Lincoln, Mass., which is mm-hmm. which is a beautiful place. And, and so we start to talk. And somewhere, I'm always I'm a big, yappy person. So I must have mentioned something about being a therapist. And she said, oh, what kind of therapy do you do? And I said, spiritual psychology. And she said, what is that? And I said, well, it's a blend of hypnotherapy and Buddhist philosophy and depth psychology and shamanism and she said, "Oh my god, I googled spiritual psychology this morning." No. <laughs> Honest to god, and it's all because of my accent. Right. I will never lose my accent just because it gets me clients. And so, <laughs> right? And so she actually bushed, booked a session with me yesterday. That's it. Yeah, it was so do, cool.
2: Do you have this happen a lot when you're when you like meet somebody uh, in public and you you let them know that you're a therapist so they ever like ask you to like help them on the spot. Like I know as like a comedian or like somebody who's pursuing comedy They
3: say say something
2: funny. Yeah, or like they either say say something Make me laugh. Funny or like they go, Oh yeah, like I could I've tried that or like here's a joke, then it's usually really racist and you're like, Okay, this is awkward. I'll I'll just have my coffee now <laughs>
3: You know, I wish that people would do that. Oh, really? I love to do on the spot therapy. That's what I'm doing here. I mean, we'll yeah, do it yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually do a lot of on the spot. I've done therapy with people in Starbucks. I do therapy. Huh. I'll do therapy anywhere. Um, so I wish it happened to more, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, you know, most people are too afraid. They're too private. They're too close about their suffering and their dysfunction. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's terrible because we should all just take all of our clothes off and be as dysfunctional as we can. And then we can get the help that we need. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to set up a booth like Lucy in Peanuts, therapy five cents, like a lemonade stand, but a therapy booth. Do you, Do you, know? you remember in, P- in Peanuts when there was <laughs> Lucy set up the therapy of stand? Of
3: course. So when I was a kid, that's who they said I was like. Oh, no way. It was Lucy. Yeah, because I'm bossy and mean. No, I'm not mean. I wouldn't ever pull the football out from under you. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But I have to charge a lot more than five cents in San Francisco. (laughs) You know, (laughs) unless it's on the street or on the radio.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So part of the reason that uh, I like to do the show and that I wanted to do it um, to do live therapy with people is because so there's a work is very experiential. It's not like regular talk therapy where you're just like figuring out and naming things or like, oh, that's what happened to me. And now I understand it. Um, there's a place for that, but mm-hmm. I actually don't find understanding things does any more than make me smarter it doesn't make me feel better Right. and so it's actually doing the work and this work is not just experiential for the person but it can be very visual uh, we use a lot of the active imagination to what I call concretize or make concrete all the kind of non-rational aspects of ourselves our emotions our spirit our energy our relationships our experience that are just ideas and when we can give them a form with our active imagination once something has a form you can work with it And, um, and there's a lot that can be done. And so as people describe what's happening to them, I find it really, really interesting to be able to listen and we can actually follow each other's process. And because, you know, humans are all pretty much the same, Mm -hmm. more or less, once you get down, um, (laughs) there's a lot to be gathered. I think from knowing what's possible, I know for myself, when I know what's possible for someone else, then it makes it that much more possible for me. Yeah you know um so so tell me about your dysfunction what's happening (laughs) (laughs) all comedians that i've ever met come from crazy families and they either were going to become a therapist or a comedian or a criminal yeah and some of them have done all of those things so tell me about yourself
2: yeah i don't i don't i'm just thinking back i don't think i've done a whole lot of Criminal activities. Oh, that's too bad. Necessary. Nothing like. I mean, I haven't like killed anybody. Oh, that's good.
3: Killing <laughs> well, is bad.
2: Yeah, that's bad. Generally bad. Crime can uh, be
3: kind of fun though.
2: I mean, sorry. I, yeah. No. Like. I mean. You know. You. This and that. And speed every once in a while. Okay. Pirate things off the internet. Speeding but. is not a crime. I'm sorry. <laughs> Speeding is just
3: fun. But. Um. So criminal was out for you. Criminal's not going to be yeah. a criminal. Okay.
2: Um. My actually my main occupation is woodworker. That's that's mainly what I do: cabinetry, furniture making.
3: Awesome! You look stuff. like a woodworker. You have your plaid have the, shirt the flannel. on. Flannel. Yeah. You're good. You're rocking the I flannel. The,
2: I actually have my Boston hat. He has it's his a, Boston, it's a Carhartt hat. Boston Oh my god!
3: He's got his car hat out. Oh, I love it. Did you do that on purpose? Did you know?
2: <laughs> no, no, no.
3: See, chan- this is all—it's all serendipity. Yeah, it's serendipity. It's, a,
2: it's actually interesting because I do have a—I see a therapist semi regularly back in Portland, and uh, she's also from Boston which is
3: all oh, great therapy yeah.
2: comes from Boston.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing where it's a, it's a portal. Well,
2: actually. it's, yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, people are, I think a little bit more upfront in Boston, at least about oh, the feelings. They don't.
3: <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, about me, I guess like I, I grew up, uh, grew up in Maine in a town called Booth Bay, a uh, pretty small town. My folks split when I was, Probably uh, somewhere between six and eight, mm. um, and lived mostly with my mom. Okay. Um, spent uh, Friday nights with my dad, and that was about that was it until eighteen, or I guess seventeen, when I actually I left the house at seventeen. So, that's kind of the the abridged backstory. And then what happened? Then I moved to Oregon. I moved to Portland. Um, basically, didn't I didn't know anybody out there, but I moved. I went out there for college and tried to blaze my own trail just kind of try to you know start something new you know you kind of it's like if you leave if you go to a new place you can kind of shake off whatever baggage you had from behind kind of from your past life and you can start a new individual if you like
3: so i'll just notice you went as far as humanly possible away I mean, (laughs) we'll just notice that. Oh yeah. No, that was, that's uh, not a coincidence. No, that was definitely a
2: conscious decision. I think, I think when my, when I was looking around at, um, schools to go to, my mom was definitely hoping or wishing that I would stay within like a driving, you know, mileage
3: less than 3,500 miles. Yeah. yeah, Uh,
2: and I was just like, I don't, you know. I was like, I don't want the chance of you dropping it <laughs> unannounced. <laughs> not, not, I mean, I love my mother, but, you know, it's like, I think it, I, I reached a certain point in my life where I was like, I just want to do my own thing, you know, just be, try, try stuff out on my own. So. In
3: therapy, we call that individuation. Sure, yeah. Becoming yeah. an individual. Yeah. I think, you know, and for me, that's, I think our work here as humans in our life is to be the particular us that we're supposed to be. Not the us that mom or dad or culture or religion or whatever wants us to be. And a lot of the work is stripping away all those ideas of who we think we should be to really be who we are.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I probably didn't do the, I mean, I went away and I, I did a whole lot of things throughout my middle adolescence, my, my later teenage years, early twenties. But in the end, like I got. I kind of just went back into woodworking and that that's what my father does. He's a carpenter. So kind of went full circle where doing basically the same stuff, more or less just in a different uh, coast on a different coast. What kind of woodworking? I, for me, Mm -hmm. I do, it's, it's a really niche job that I work in right now and it's all, um, like retail pop-ups and displays. Oh, cool. It's a, it's a, wild i never thought that i would be doing this because it's so weird but uh essentially the company i work for uh streamline craftsman we we will set up and build out uh events for like shoe launches right <laughs> so like if nike's got a new product that that's coming out and they have a multi-city kind of product launch mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have crews in like all those different cities and they'll have these plans and they'll have these things fabricated with lights and whistles and all that. And we'll go in and pull it off the truck and build it up overnight. And it'll, usually it's like up for a day Mm -hmm. and then we take it all down and recycle it or do the best we can to get rid of it all. And that's, that's the job on the side. I I make my own furniture. I build my own furniture. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's the more creative end of it.
3: Awesome. What kind of furniture do you build?
2: I like to stick kind of in—I mean, obviously, coming from New England, coming from Maine, I have a lot of, like, Shaker influence, mm.
3: uh,
2: a lot of, like, that Thomas Mosher uh, background.
3: That's very simple, clean lines the Yeah. people that don't know what that is. Totally, they're, yes. they're all ignorant. Yeah, no. <laughs> Think modern building and, yeah. like, it may make it into a, a chair, and that's, like, Shaker.
2: Yeah, Shaker—I don't know what the—it's an incredibly religious— Kind of sect or cult. I don't know if there's any.
3: Actually, shakers. have you ever done any? Sh- so I actually went. There's a Shaker village. they were all dead now because they actually didn't. Procreate, they don't appropriate, right? Yeah. Which is not good if you want to continue. Yeah. <laughs> but we went and um and oh, it's a beautiful place and it had we had a dinner there.
2: Sabbath Day Lake, Maine. Is that the one? Or it wasn't in
3: Maine. No, it was okay. in Massachusetts. Anyway, and um. Yeah, it was so interesting, all the stuff that they made, everything, and they were so ingenious. I mean, they had like, this was in like the the 1800s, they had this elaborate system where the heating system was set up as also a dryer for the clothes. So they'd like hang all the clothes, like in all, and, and it like rotated. It was crazy. I mean this was you know, before electricity. Yeah. I don't know if they had little mice or whatever. (gasps) Oh my god. It's not her
1: baby. Don't worry, it's not her baby. There's a baby
3: you you just picked up a baby off the street?
4: Yeah, I I just find them I find them everywhere in the mission.
3: Wow, and they're sleeping (laughs) in quiet. Oh my goodness, this is (laughs) Gaula Finman has just joined us. So nice to meet you. Welcome. I know you had a little trouble finding parking. Yeah. This is a there's Colin what's her name? Colin. Colin. Colin it's a boy sure it's in gray you don't know it, we don't know we have to wait I mean, till the diaper comes off and then we find out if it's a boy or a girl yeah. oh my god sit, sit in that sit in that chair uh there's a baby there's a baby I I love babies I can't have them anymore which doesn't make me which doesn't make me sad but um hi everybody yay. welcome Kaula. it's me and a baby you and a baby. <laughs> so I have two comics and a baby. That could be like a a therapist. This is some... It is. Yeah. So so we we're just learning a little bit about Carl. And um, so I happen to know a little bit about you because I listened to one of your podcasts on the way here. But maybe my listeners don't. So why don't you tell us a little bit about... I love... I'm glad I figured out how to say her name. So it's well. such a beautiful name, Thank Gaula. I love that. I thought it was Irish until I listened, because it sounds Irish. If you, I don't know if you know a lot of Irish. This people.
4: baby's parents are Irish. Yeah, no, I, I They in can't the, pronounce my name. They call me G. <laughs> You
3: know, we had one of the funniest baby showers I ever went to it was one of my girlfriends, and she's from Ireland, and everybody there was Irish, and you know how you play stupid games at baby showers, yeah. and, and the baby shower game was, spell this Irish name. That's so funny. And you yeah. can't, it's like, yeah. do you know that Kiva is spelt C? I O B A N. That's Kiva. Yeah. Right. Like no one won wow. the game. It was ridiculous.
4: Yeah, people call him by his gay like his a, an Irish name. It's like David, but I always forget how to say it. Dawid or something. I don't know. It's different. And I don't want to butcher
3: it. We won't. And Gaelic. So oh, so Gaelic. whoa, I just banged and made a funny noise. That's a weird noise. Um so tell us about Koola.
4: Mm. Um Okay. I usually drink coffee, and I didn't today. Oh, um but to go a little deeper maybe. Um I moved to San Francisco in September from Detroit where I was born and raised. Welcome. Um traveled a little bit. My only experience in
3: Detroit was in the Detroit airport and they took my knife. Oh. <laughs> This was before 9-11, Before I, you wouldn't even think about bringing a, a knife, knife, but it was my—it was an awesome knife. Was and it like they, a collapsible knife? Yeah, it was like a was like fold-up a knife. Fold-up. It was like five inches long. I it just was for some reason knife. And they took it. I was so bummed. Anyway, yeah, like a full chef's knife. Just like I would hand. love yeah. to have. <laughs> I have a good friend who's totally into knives. Um. Anyway, yep.
4: but I digress. Go ahead. So just an open-ended gula. Um. People are probably like, "Well, what does that name mean?" They get that a lot. So it means redemption love that yeah um it comes from my parents who are both jewish and then found a very weird spiritual path so they named us names that were like really intense with a lot of meaning mm. and uh left us to deal with them
3: there <laughs> you go so what is okay. what's what does that mean for you in your life redemption
4: what is it well I, I remember like so it, it comes from like this sort of unanim, like group redemption of like the world is going to end and there's going to be like people riding on the backs of eagles and like fucking going to the holy land so that's like i had to divorce from that meaning for sure wow so So, really out of revelations yeah oh wow yeah
3: like the big
4: redemption yeah like there's very specific things like the
3: one that was supposed to happen in 2012 that we missed yeah (laughs) okay and
4: it's like was still waiting one of the things that they say in like the prophecies is like the prophecies that like fruits and vegetables will get like so big that like 10 men will have to carry one grape and I'm like it's just like GMOs and shit you know when people you know when people like try to get like science and and religion and be like see it's true Uh, anyway I digress what are I talking about we're talking about redemption and what it means for you yeah so now it means like personal redemption and like um I did a lot of work like from probably 18 and on to, to, uh, sort of get beyond guilt and shame in myself and others. And Mm -hmm. like being your full, truest, honest self in the moment, even if it means like having bad manners or something, you know, just like honesty is kind of it. Awesome. We'll, we'll get along good. You know, she, she missed the prompt. I just
3: said that. Like, so for me, the core of my work, and I think I work as humans here on this planet is to be the authentic person that we are and to to divorce ourselves from all of the guilt and shame and the shoulds and all that mm. and be the unique, quirky... What was the word you used? Quirky...
2: I can't remember. That was, that was so zany. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was almost five minutes ago. I it was. No, you did you have your coffee? We were so. talking I know, about yeah.
3: furniture. Yeah, because yeah, he, um, he's I'm a furniture talking. maker and a carpenter.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Because
3: he hasn't been totally discovered. Saturday Night Live isn't...
2: Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They're be. not, they're not knocking on the door. They
4: might be. Like you have you new never worlds know. You could be discovered in. You know, like the furniture world too. You could blow. You know, furniture you gotta, is funny, isn't uh, it? Yeah,
2: yeah, It's it's a funny. Oh man, I don't know if you guys watched uh, the the series Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. I've seen. It. Mm. So there's like the character. Uh, what is his name? Ron. I can't remember his last name. At the moment. But he's like a woodworker type guy, and I I loved throughout the whole series. He would subtly name drop famous furniture makers. Oh and wow. no one, It's like I'd be watching with friends or like watching with a girlfriend I'd be like oh yo he just name dropped Thomas like Tom Hooker or somebody else They're like Sam Malouf and, and people everybody... are like what? I'm like yo that Sam Malouf is like the greatest rocking chair maker ever and then I'd like pause it and like Google and show them their work and like dude we don't care. Like, <laughs> there
4: are nobody... so many layers to that show people. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's actually
4: like, really cool I that was, they did that.
2: Yeah and I'm like like he, he name drops Tom Hucker in one. He's like this uh in New York kind of uh I would say like avant garde furniture maker who I've met and like chatted with. We're Facebook friends. I'm kinda of bragging right now, so you should be impressed.
4: You're name dropping. <laughs> yeah. Like two worlds you're trying to yeah. uh,
2: try Who is to Tom like Thomas, Huck- Thomas Hucker, yeah. Thomas, Thomas Hucker. Hucker. Okay. Hucker, yeah.
1: I can I can act impressed.
2: Yeah, you know, please thank Whoa. you. Yeah, that's you know like, Thomas that's Hucker. What I need. That's awesome.
1: I yeah, that's pretty cool. What, what about Ethan Allen? my my (laughs) name dropping yeah Uh, i used to
3: work for ethan allen
4: did you really shout out to ethan
3: (laughs) shout out to ethan absolutely wow i'll have to think of a name that i can drop can i make one up i'll have to think (laughs) (laughs) so gaula what do you do when you're not picking up babies off the street and and being
4: funny so um i I live with a family and I'm an au pair. Oh, awesome. So it's pretty full time. Roll out a bed. Is this one of your pairs that you owe? This is my uh, pair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there was more of a banana. No, I don't know. and uh, the grandmothers in. So I'd like to say I have two in-laws. So it makes my job like a full-time job more. Cuz you know I don't know if anyone has a, a mother-in-law but do you have to care for grandma too? Yeah. I mean, she's very she's very like Like, yesterday she tried to get me to go to, like, a Baby Depot store and spend, like, three hours there, and I, like, don't want to tell her that I just buy everything online for the babies. Anyway, my i am a wreck. Um, So, basically, yeah, I spend a lot of my time with babies, and it, like, fully takes over my spirit, but it's actually, like, the best job, too. I feel like it's really, really sweet. But I end up spending a lot of time, like, at home, and I'm not usually a homebody, especially when it's raining outside. So huh? that, is this interesting? It is. How many babies? There's two. I drop off the three-year-old at school. I'm planning her birthday. She's going to be three on Saturday. And then um, then I have a baby all day. And I was with <laughs> her since her mom, his mom was pregnant. So, wow. Yeah. It's I have to say,
3: so I had my kids when I was 39 and mm-hmm. 41. I never thought I would do it. I didn't want to subject anyone to being a child. I hated being a child. <laughs> I did not want to make anyone else do that again.
4: Subject so someone to being
3: a child. But no, I, I thought it was a terrible thing. But yeah. um I was in graduate school to become a therapist at the time, so I get to do like a whole graduate project about becoming a mother and um, and solving all of my pre adolescent problems. So now I'm all healed. But anyway, um, but I have to say that the experience. You know, I, I like to say that when a baby was born, a mother is born too. And for me, becoming a mother in that period of time between like zero and five yeah. was probably the most zen time I've ever had in my whole life people complain about oh I don't sleep and I'm not mm-hmm. and I was really lucky I was able to be a stay-at-home mom my, my ex-husband had a good enough job he's an electrician oh, so yeah. I know about and I've worked in the trades in a the lot union? myself too in the union yeah, yeah. local six and um and so I was able to stay at home with the kids mm. and there's nothing more present. Set. If you can really be with it, if you have an agenda, you're screwed. Oh you, yeah. If you have an agenda, if there's oh, anything yeah. you want to do, forget it because they're going to have to poop. They're going to puke on themselves. There's no way you're going to get anywhere on any I mean, time. that's
4: the gift. And that's what I tell the parents. Like I never give the kids screen time because I'm like, this is my job, you know? So yeah. I have the time to like get out the paints and like get messy with kids because I'm literally like getting paid to not do anything else. You know, But mm-hmm. the parents both run their own companies. I got the three year old out of bed this morning and she had a cell phone in her hand and she was watching TV and it was like 7.30 in the morning. So it's like a, a screen time and a lollipop if I'm not there.
3: Oh. Well, thank God for you.
4: So uh, they, they're very pro- like they very, like, they're they grateful. They're like, we're paying you to love our children. But it is weird because they're actually not mine. It's my job. Yeah. So it's very weird. How hey.
2: often do the parents, that, if yeah. I can no, interject, no, no, no. do they, like, interact with their kids often? Or is it, like...
4: The mom does, and the dad... Oh, this is such gossip. They don't listen to me on the radio. <laughs> they definitely don't. But I, I analyze because I also, I, I love, I, I told myself I wouldn't analyze them too much because it's my job, but I fucking did. The dad told the mom before he got married that he didn't want to have kids. And so they were going to have kids, but he doesn't have to do anything with them. And he literally, like, will walk right by them, you know? And it's like the kids don't, like, reach out for him. and They don't want to go to him. So he's very not, totally, totally, totally not present. He'll just, like, go on vacation for two weeks and nobody notices. So... Sick. Ugh. So the thing... Yeah, I've
3: thought about this a lot as, as what I felt like an unloved child yeah. that, um, if, if children receive love from someone, yeah, then they're okay. Yeah. I don't even think it matters who it is. If I, you have one person that you bond with, who can, who sees who you are and recognizes your yeah. needs and actually loves you,
4: mm-hmm.
3: then your spirit is going to be okay. Yeah. If you don't have that, you fucked
4: yeah. she's but like a great school
3: then kid. you gotta come yeah. see me if you <laughs> have it no it's but fine
4: and it's yeah it's i think like these kids have they have really good lives like they're fine they're not like in pain because their parents are busy
3: well i mean it's a really traditional this has been happening for yeah. for eons where wealthy people yeah. have other people raise their kids
4: Yeah.
3: right wet nurses in the old days and nannies and you know the maids and
4: and i honestly think the stuff i do is like the kids will switch in their brain something and this is not studied but they will remember a hug from me as mother like it's just a figure of nurturing and so it will just replace like it will be their mom especially like at this age just having like a warm person that's attending to you it is kind of groundwork so
3: it is no i mean yeah. having right having someone love you and recognize your needs and yeah. be present and being present i think that i'm very concerned about what's going to happen for children with mm-hmm. all the screen time and the screen time of the parents not actually engaging with the
4: kids if i'm I mean, going like this to him and he's looking for me he starts crying and like i don't even realize that i'm i have like a phone by this i mean i'm like putting my phone i'm looking at my phone and he's trying to make eye contact and he's right. just five and a half months
3: we all need eye contact especially yeah. at this age yeah. because they're orienting their world through whoever their caregiver is yeah. and so that's awesome that you know that and you're a mindful kid care- and you yeah. brought him i hope he screams yeah. at oh, some yeah. point i really do he's, i miss he's like
4: the sweetest baby he's such a
1: gem. I usually get fired from nanny jobs when they turn around three because they start calling me mom and the mom can't handle it. And I'm like, I'm not nanny Pammy, not mommy, nanny Pammy. And I always get, that's, I usually get I, when I get fired, it's used. And it isn't that I'm fired. They're like, we're just going to send him to preschool now.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Right. Because we don't want him to bond too much with right. someone, God forbid, right. that he would actually really bond with someone. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer.
4: Oh yeah. I got yelled at uh, for cuddling the baby too much by the grandmother yesterday. <laughs> she was like, you're spoiling the child. And she had him strapped to the high chair in the kitchen watching like some weird cooking show. Whoa. And like, I've never just like put put him in front of the TV like he's too little for TV in my You're brain. spoiling that's so sad. Yeah it's so wild.
3: That's so sad it's that wild. getting emotional attention
4: is spoiling. All right. I'm like how about the 30 gifts you just dumped on the other kid and the sugar like it's just it's just so weird I grew up so differently so. How did you grow up? I'm the fifth of seven children and my mom had no help. (laughs) So another mess. I don't know if it's it's not superior for sure, but there was definitely a lot of love, but probably not enough attention, you know, so different kinds of attention, like sibling attention and stuff like that.
3: Well, that's another, that's the thing that happens though. After you get three kids, it becomes a gang. Yeah. It has its own rules and its own kind of trickle down. I'm an only child. So I was like desperately lonely until I discovered, um, drugs and alcohol and then I became <laughs> <laughs> and then I became a party girl and I've never shut up since but um, look at this baby hi baby oh Maybe my goodness are you going to talk to us are you going to talk you can blow the horn no that'll freak him out <laughs> yeah. um, so cute you are! he's got a little fluffy suit on Like ears the thing about
4: bringing him places is that like babies and parenting and love and cuddles becomes like the source of things. It
3: really does. It's,
4: I don't know. It's kind of like a like a dog in the room or like a cat or whatever. Everyone's just like...
3: No, they okay. do. Well, especially babies. So they haven't at this age... He's five months old. Can he sit up by himself?
4: He's... Uh, he had a few minutes oh, the other day. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah,
3: he's right at that cusp. So, <laughs> so at this age, they don't have any filters yet. And so for me...
1: Oh, my God.
3: Oh, my God. Oh my God. He looks like a little white polar bear and he's smiling at her oh my god you are the cutest thing but the um I mean my own belief you know this is spiritual psychology right so you know underlying all things is this life energy that we're all connected with and little babies and sometimes old people if they have been If they allow themselves to become open before they die, they're like portals into that larger field. And so I think that's why people are drawn to babies because they have that pure, like, (laughs) energy, that life energy that hasn't been
4: tarnished. When he's happy, it's like his toes are happy. You know what I mean?
3: There is no. Yeah. Look at him. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm smiling. (laughs) I'm so cute. So. And Pam, I forgot, yeah,
1: you're, you're a caregiver too then
4: yeah,
1: I only yeah. see you as the radio lady no I, I I haven't been a caregiver I mean, I still do it, but now all my kids have kind of timed out except for one who has special needs and she's twelve and I've been with her since oh. she was this age so oh my God. she's like my person so um, I get to hang out with her still and I've seen her grow up, which is amazing That's very but mostly like one of my little buddies now she does. Like, it's so creepy because the only time I get to see her is if I have other kids and i met at Yerba Buena. She's a skater now. She's an ice skater. And so I'll, like, make all of us look through the window and, like, watch her skate and every once in a while wave. And she's like, oh, my God, my creepy old nanny is there. <laughs> but it's, I don't usually get access to them after, you know, a certain point. Okay. Is that sad for you? No, I don't get paid to hang out with them anymore. Therefore, my for my usefulness has you're done surpassed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't hang out with kids unless people give me money. That's like, <laughs> but I'm great. I'm like you when they have the kids yeah. if they're paying me the money. That's my fucking job. Any job I do, I'm gonna do the best I can.
4: Yeah, that's exactly how I look at that's it. That's how I'm
1: doing. So give me the kids. I'll play with the kids.
4: I love the kids. Yeah, look at you. You're, that's he's a cute little dude. Yeah, it helps. It helps when they cute.
1: <laughs> it is yeah I'm
3: ugly babies are really a drag it sucks when the ugly one. <laughs> it's it, the ugly babies the ugly, baby. It, the ugly babies <laughs> ugly sh- babies should die no <laughs> <laughs> like only special, the cute oh, ones only the cute ones can be saved and he's like so cute yeah so, so I was talking a little bit to Carl earlier uh, about the idea of the psychology of being funny, of the psychology of comedy. Oh, totally. So, what do you guys think about that? Like, what makes something funny?
2: I mean, I think I think in the right context or conducted the right way, like really anything could be funny, and, and certainly anything could be funny to anybody. You know, there's a whole a whole world out there. I mean, I, I just started watching. Uh, oh, is it Larry? Oh, baby.
3: <laughs> did he just fart? I don't know. what <laughs> See, farting is funny. Why is yeah. farting funny? <laughs> you know, we all do it, and why is it funny? I don't know why.
2: But I, yeah, yeah, I just started watching this uh, documentary series on Netflix. It's it's done by the creator. He he like created a bunch of uh, TV shows, movies. He was a writer, comedic writer for a while, and I can't remember his name. But he goes around the world and interviews folks in like different war-torn regions uh to talk about comedy and humor the first episode he's like mainly in iraq uh and talking about how they maintain humor where they are but then i know he goes to like nigeria and interviews like uh you know former like child soldiers wow about how they
3: How funny is it when he chops someone's head off with a machete? Whoa.
2: So they talk about how when they're living in an absurd, like an absurdist uh, world where like things like that happen and that's regular that your humor becomes that level of absurdity too. Right. Or they have to just kind of like laugh at stuff.
4: (laughs) You're going to laugh at whatever your world is.
2: I mean, look look at the soldiers in Guantanamo Bay who were piling naked detainees up and that was pictures their joke that was their that they were like that was that the was joke at, right because wow. they're in a it's like right pe- putting people in dog cages and chaining them up and stuff is like uh, absurd and i think the the humor just kind of meets the absurdity of the situation
3: what is absurdity that is an interesting
2: question yeah
3: what is absurd i love to be deep yeah sorry um <laughs> what is absurdity? I mean, for me, so I think about comedy and a lot of things that are funny have to do with pain or Mm. suffering. Like a lot of, you know, there's a measure of truth in it that's painful and then we laugh about it. Mm. And it shifts out. For me, it shifts my, I laugh at myself all the time because I'm always in pain. And so, (laughs) um, and, but that's, it seems like there's a funny line between Humor and suffering. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, which way are you going to fall? Are we going to find this yeah. funny or are we going to kill ourselves?
4: <laughs> right. And I think, like, there's a, the shift of, like, war torn countries and that reality. And then in United States or sort of very developed, very privileged countries where I think our sense of comedy and our structure of comedy comes from. So there we don't have, like, war torn countries and limbs to laugh at. So what do we do? It's like, I think for, for me, it's like, Uh, yeah it's that suffering but I think and again I'm gonna go back to shame it's like what parts of our human experience do we still feel shame for and it's sort of like in the past 10 or 20 years we've like with the help of psychology and with the help of like a lot of good media like it feels like almost everything's been talked about with the human experience right you know but that's sort of what comedy was for a long time it's like I don't know like just the. it was like the taboo right And so now it's like we, I think at this point if you're trying to create new material just saying something taboo that happened to you is like not enough anymore and so I'm right because you me. can't
3: talk about if your father had sex with you because everybody already had that happen right <laughs> it's,
4: sort of fucking, it's like not,
3: it's a non it's entity if I hear one right. more it's
4: incest boring. joke one more incest joke I swear I'm like rolling my eyes at incest right so no boring. it isn't it's, it's so like cliche now yeah. it's just
3: kind of terrible like the Pope
4: molested a boy so boring you know it's like right <laughs> right
3: so where do you find your material how do you come up with material I'm gonna ask you the same question,
4: Colin. Sure. Well either of you can answer if you want to think about it. Where do you find your material? Hmm. Dare you. Yeah. Go. I moved it lower for Colin. I'm back. Um I think I find my material from everyday life. I've sat and tried to write jokes and it it's not a good it's not a good a good nothing good happens. Like it's my jokes come from when people do something funny. Usually when people say something that pisses me off, that's where my jokes come from. Oh really? It's like I think like it's not anger because I don't i not like I don't get super angry but like the 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 first pangs of anger are where my jokes probably and come then from. it becomes so that it it's feels like, look like at this bitch it's <laughs> <laughs> right
3: so it could go one way and you make it go the other way
4: yeah. oh that's just and funny. even in life with that person with conflict this person will say something to me and I'll just be like. Like, I'll just be like, look at this bitch, but in, like, a funny way to them back. Like, that's kind of how I deal with conflict. I deal with conflict with humor, and then my humor is the conflict, too. It's like a... Like, in life with seven kids and a mom, like, I think that's where my comedy really comes from, and it's like, there's a lot of conflict constantly, and then just needing to be the funniest one in the room to, like, take the tension away, or, like, somebody says an insult to me, and I'm going to diffuse it by, like, making everyone laugh. You know what I mean? So, are you... Is...
3: Is the comedy a diffuser or is it a confrontation or is it both? Ooh.
4: I mean, it's both. Like I'm Because definitely... look at this bitch is not diffusing. No. Oh, I'm also, <laughs> I also like throw a punch. Like I have my grandmother and me and I can be really sour. Like I'm not like just because I'm the narrator, narrator of my own story doesn't mean I'm like the nice guy. Like I'm a fucking tool sometimes. And right. So it's like sometimes I will say something insulting because it's funny. Right, And that's, like, my social, socially – like, I'm socially challenged where, like, I just want to say the thing that's so hilarious, even if it's, like, so cutting because it's so true, you know? And I'm kind of, like – the person in the room – I saw this funny satirical headline the other day that was just, like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, person in the friend group decides she needs to tell everybody exactly how it is, you know? And it's, like, I'm totally that person that needs to, like, call everybody out on their bullshit and, like – Oh, oh, pick me. I do that, too. I I just (laughs) – is it necessary like just let what is that like what are more than those expressions like, live and let, the let live lie or something i don't know like let let people like Let's people know is that like i just made up that expression yeah. i think like let uh, the ducks lie you know, let the rats eat like why do you gotta pick at other people's weaknesses you know i like, totally am. I'm, I'm fucking well wrong. it makes
3: us feel better about ourselves when totally. we do totally. that right when we pick on that's other
4: also like weak. where my all that all that part of my brain is i'm swear this shit comes from
3: what about you? Where do you get your... Carl, where do you get your... Sure, yeah. We're, we're passing a baby, baby back and forth. Okay. <laughs> baby passing. Uh,
2: I, I mean, similarly, I think...
3: Oh, that's a hard word to say. Similarly. Similarly. Do yeah. you ever try to say that like 10 times? Similarly, similarly. 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 you can't. I, I think can't it's it pra- definitely
2: three. harder with like a thick, thicker New England accent.
3: <laughs> you, oh, no. It's my deficit. Go ahead.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I pull from experiences in everyday life and... A lot of times I do you make furniture jokes? No, I I thought, <laughs> I thought about that. I did actually think for a little like I was like, you know, because like, I come from like a pretty blue collar uh, town and like a a blue collar life. And so I was like, man, I, everything I there is no white collar in Maine. No, not until the summertime when everybody comes up from New York. Those people don't count, and they don't bring (laughs) their followers anyway. No, but uh, the bushes and all those. Yeah, Yeah, Martha Stewart's got a place in. Does she really? Martha.
3: No one even says that name anymore. (laughs) Oh my god, there's another name drop.
2: Oh my god! Oh my god! You're so good. I dated a, a girl up in Bar Harbor who like. I think she like cleaned her house. Whoa! I know, I know. Uh, Whoa! Big, big news. Whoa.
4: Yeah, but you know, I gotta say, That's I was fascinating. so <laughs> anyone's house, I would want to. I
3: was a house cleaner for twelve years, right? Oh yeah. And I'm gonna say, cleaning Martha Stewart's house—that is a name drop. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Of
4: all the people to clean for, can you, you imagine know, cleaning like, for her? You want to know like what she gets particular about so badly, right? Like. It was also, everything. like, it was, I'm going to tell you. Like, I want to know about her Tupperware charm. Everything. Right. It's
1: an enormous dildo collection yeah. that she needs cleaned bi-weekly. Yeah,
4: a little- <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding? No, i That woman never like used kidding. a dildo in
1: her life. Please. She's friends with Snoop Dogg.
2: Yeah, she, they are good
1: friends. <laughs> are they? Really?
2: Yeah, they have a show together. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so culturally But this was awkward. all... This was, like, off-season, because, like, people... It's so... It, the whole wealth, uh, like... Gap in Maine, or at least like the aftermath. Oh people, my god, there. yeah, people
3: don't know about Maine, but I
2: didn't, I didn't know like these folks have their homes regularly like cleaned and maintained on a weekly basis throughout the winter when even they're not when even they there. there. Just, to, I mean, like, well, it's get to support it.
3: the, it's probably, to oh, support def- the yeah, people. it's
2: crazy. It's people have a lot of like jobs and can get by through the winter just on cleaning empty houses. I remember like going not to, it wasn't to Martha Stewart's home, but it was to another like mega mansion <laughs> and like helping clean. For no, like you're not cleaning for anybody. You're just kind of vacuuming and dusting, and it's spooky. Those
3: were my favorite houses to clean. The clean house, clean, already the clean house, houses. and they'll pay you the most. The people who paid me the most money were the people that already had the house. It was clean, yeah. and you clean the clean house. Yeah, you like dust the dustless thing, and they'll notice. Did you move the wedding picture and dust underneath oh. it? <laughs> oh my god no and they'll they'll know they check it's crazy but um no so a lot of people don't know because they've never been to Maine. right can't get there from here right you can't even probably can you do a Maine accent oh
2: yeah yeah i'd have to
3: you'd have to think about it go
2: back and i try i could do a better one than you it it was so traumatizing in high school because it was usually like a Maine accent like come here you fucking bitch tits I'll kick your ass and, like <laughs> it is, it is. and then it was followed by just me crying a lot so,
3: so you, you moved to portland so to yeah. try to put, block that out maybe we'll do a little trauma work were on
1: you in the fat? World. why would they
2: call you bitch tits? I, my uh, uncle actually called me that once yeah I, when i i was like a little chubby kid growing up uh, it was so funny it, it, it was a, a we were actually uh, doing a family vacation in jersey and he was like, get up, bitch, tits for playing mini golf today.
3: Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that oh, my funny. God. That, he thinks it's funny <laughs> now, so that's where he gets his.
2: I mean, I think it, it is funny. Cause it's like, the, ju- yeah, just picture yelling that at, like, a chubby little 11-year-old.
4: Oh, Gives a character. Terrible,
2: yeah. <laughs> terrible. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that, uh, life, I, I, I'm trying to kind of work toward or focus more on, like, finding the absurdity in uh, like the, not, not the absurdity in toxic masculinity, but like trying to point out how ridiculous that is or how absurd that is. So like one of my jokes is about getting a prostate exam recently and just like how, I try to build it up to be like, oh, I've, I've never, I would never like enjoy that or put something in my butt.
3: You don't like having something. But then what I, you, I love it when people
2: put their things up like at me. The kind of punchline is like,
3: should I say that I'm a therapist? I don't know if I should
2: tell people like-
1: that. <laughs> you <laughs> lifted the veil. Honesty, Google already said honesty.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: yeah.
2: But yeah, it's like being a like. Red blooded like American meat and potatoes guy like clearly I've put stuff in my butt before like, yeah yeah the, yeah and trying to, who wouldn't trying to it's
4: so- my like I'm producing comedy shows now and like we call um our production thing Manly Man Productions oh yeah because it's just I think that's what's funny right now is like anyone trying hard to protect their masculinity is so funny to me yeah <laughs> yeah like we already know like other men are already let loose you know like we already know like you cry or you need to cry or whatever it is but it's like that's the stuff i work on like in relationship with men is like the manly man stuff the manly
3: man
2: stuff yeah
4: As i'm just jumped in
2: totally no no jump me. in i'm yeah. interested in, i'm totally interested in that because it's like man it's so dumb
4: <laughs> what's dumb
3: about it
2: It's, I don't know, it's like a, uh, it's, it's dumb in the same way that, like, Valentine's Day is dumb, right? It's like a totally constructed holiday. It's a totally constructed, like, reality. I mean, it's based in, you know, centuries of, of oppression and what have you, and... and
3: Well, it really oppresses the men. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I see. You know, I, I think about one of my favorite clients, he's actually dead now, not because he did therapy with me, but, um and uh total he was a carpenter total manly man um a big strong guy and he was adopted and he had a lot of trauma from being adopted mm. and um mm. you know he was in foster care for the first uh, a couple of years of his life and I mean he got adopted by a beautiful family but he had this like lifelong suicidal ideation like he had always wanted to kill himself and he never told anybody because he just had lived with it it was what he thought he should live with and I told him like we could fix that and we ultimately did mm-hmm. but you know I remember he would come and, um, and he would say I'm not going to cry I'm not going to be a wimpy guy I'm not. He would like that's. He would just. It was like a chant for him. Like I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna be a wimpy guy. I'm not. And basically, it was. I'm not gonna have vulnerable feelings. Right. I'm not gonna be a like my fully feeling human self. And when he was able to actually allow himself to have all of his humanity and make room for that and know that it didn't, it actually made him stronger as a person.
4: I mean it's almost like these con- like these tools were useful like I, I don't like to talk about evolution cuz I don't understand it, but like in as just say historically, not in, historically like where men were like physically combative or even in other places in the world and it just seems like counterproductive to the struggles that men have right now. Like they're sort of not just breaking down old habits where like maybe not having strong emotions and like Being physical before talking about something was like productive at some point in history like wars i don't know
3: well i have a whole philosophy about what's happening in the world right now and and what that comes from which is kind of you know uh, carl jung was a very famous therapist Mm -hmm. he was a student of freud and they had a falling out because freud did too much cocaine and uh (laughs) among other things and um (laughs) and (laughs) carl jung um I'd introduce the idea that um, that everybody has masculine and feminine within them, and that the world. I mean, in general, I think we can we live in a world of duality where we have day and night, and we have good and bad, and we have we have taxes and people who don't pay taxes, but we have, (laughs) um, and we have masculine and feminine and those are not gender. They aren't genital specific, right? So that the masculine is like the active intellectual, um, protective force in the world. And the feminine is the receptive wise, more mysterious earth based. And, um, and together they make babies like we have right here, right? You have to have both to have babies, but, um, and historically, they were really, really separated so that the men took on this, like, masculine role right. and the women took on this physical role and there were, like, social rules to not um, to not overlap each other. I'm not quite sure. I, I think we're evolving as a species, myself. Yeah. And part of evolution really requires a tremendous amount of self-responsibility.
4: Yeah.
3: And, you know, I... Um, I personally think it's interesting to look at it from this perspective, that a lot of misogyny and a lot of the oppression of women, women have really participated in that by not being willing to full responsibility for themselves and to own their masculine and to own their own ability to wow. be protective and proactive and intellectual. And the same thing with men. I, th- I think that's the call for us as a culture right now, mm, is is for each of us individually to become more of the opposite. I tend to orient fairly masculinely myself, and a lot of my work as a person um, has been to become more feminine Because I looked I absorbed a lot of that misogyny that women hating that we have Because I had a sickly mother Who was just manipulative And how she ran the world Was to just collapse And then people would have to like Go into the void to help her And um, so I was like Well fuck that I'm, I, Where
1: does that come from? Because I used to do that
3: it's a feminine it's it Where is comfortable, so it's the shadow side of the feminine so the 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 positive side of the feminine is to be receptive like I can't and do surrendered it oh. right, but the, so the shadow side of the feminine is to feign powerlessness, which is not sur- surrender is to really openly accept what's there and to um, to be Allow yourself to be changed by what's happening, and the the shadow side or the dark side of that is to manipulate that and to to act like you're open out of powerlessness, and it calls other people to come in to save you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I shall lie down on this fainting chaise lounge.
3: Right, oh, right. Very Which, specific furniture. Yeah. Very specific, <laughs> another. Oh, you're good. He's good. He's like the guy in Poxy. Mac, we got the thing. We got to get so out of.
2: I forgot the last name until now.
3: We'll have so to so look. Did, you should look it up. while so, so the idea. Um, maybe we'll work a little bit with this. You know, the idea. Uh, this is my understanding of relationship too. Um, even homosexual relationship or whatever the f- orientation of the relationship is, is that we're drawn to partners that have more of the opposite of the places that we're underdeveloped. And, you know, in, in the old world, it would be together we come together we make a whole. But I think really what we're being called to now is to become more like whatever our partner is so that we each become more whole. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my
4: interesting theory resonating.
3: of... Um, of life, yeah. So, making fun of the manly man,
2: yeah. I mean, do you that's do that easy. too? Oh yeah,
3: it's too easy. Is it too easy?
2: I, I almost think so. Yeah. I mean, it like. It's an easy target because everybody hates. It's like if you make fun of like straight white guys, it's like everybody hates them already. Yeah, I love straight white guys. You're a good-looking straight white guy, so it's gotta be hard. Stop. Like you're
1: you're putting it on yourself. Like I really
2: a... like straight white guys. <laughs>
3: I, do. I do. I like
1: bisexual straight white guys too. But. Right.
3: <laughs> um. So who's hard to poke fun at? If white guys, straight white guys, that's too easy the manly
2: man. I mean, you don't ever yeah, I guess the idea is you never want to punch down, right? You never want to make fun of somebody who's kind of in a in a place below you, like whether that be physically speaking socioeconomically speaking in any kind of terms. so
3: you're kind of limited well i mean you're
2: considered top of the food chain sure absolutely yeah yeah yeah. by all means it's kind of it's it's whoa so you
3: can't talk about anybody
2: <laughs> it's even funny too because like i remember i just like hanging out uh outside between shows talking about a lot of these other comics are like really either like giving it their all in comedy or work uh A weight weight job in LA or something like that. And it's a a much harder struggle where I've got like a full time job that I I get paid fairly well. I do a lot of hard work, but, uh, you know, I get compensated well. And I've got a college degree. I'm fairly lucky with all of that Mm -hmm. behind me. So it's like, damn, you know, I feel a little bit like I got like matching Carhartt hat and shoes got, <laughs> i feel a get, little bit bad for you like get
3: the blue collar privilege but at the same on. time
2: i grew up with like a lot of tv dinners and like a, a more or less like a single mom so you know i'm like fuck it i can have stuff you know <laughs>
4: <laughs> i do think it's like it's interesting like with with this age of like i've heard a million comedians say like it's hard to be a white man right now and
2: Oh, it's not hard at but,
4: all. But <laughs> we do want to hear
2: comedy,
4: th- maybe. We do want to hear the i will, I want to hear the stories of struggle. Like w- what was your struggle? Because white guys have struggle. White guys kill themselves. White guys shoot up schools. More white, white guys, guys have a bad kill day. Themselves exactly. than Exactly. By far. We don't know about it because it's like or we I mean we we're learning like the why, but the why is sort is still interesting. It's still less touched than a lot of other topics to me about, like, I mean, I don't want to say the word vulnerability because that's, like, all comedy and that word doesn't... It's, like, stop meaning something to me because we use it so much, but, like, I do really still like to see... When, like, a white guy's on stage and he's, like, "Should I have five more minutes and I don't know what to talk about yet at an open mic, I'll always be, like, talk about your mom. <laughs> it's, like, my heckle. Because, <laughs> like... And then they think, oh, well, I don't have anything to say about my mom, and they'll say one thing, like, one loaded thing, tongue-in-cheek, and the whole room laughs because it's, like, I kind of just want to hear white guys talk about their moms. and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, like, they... There's still this thing of, like, I don't want to be personal on stage. I want to write a jokey joke. Mm. I don't know. And I'm always like, why do you got to be so jokey jokey? Like, just do something autobiographical, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know.
4: That's my personal curiosity with, like, male comics that are, yeah, that are avoiding that specifically. Are
1: you are you a jokey joke or are you a personal joke?